This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hello, traders, and welcome to the second episode of the brand new Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. This is the show where we discuss markets, futures, forex, psychology, or whatever else arises from our subconscious minds with the financial professionals who know them best. As you learned and no doubt remembered from last week, my name is Jack Pelzer, and I will be your market spirit guide for the next few weeks until our wonderful new host is prepared to assume the throne. Which sort of makes me like the hand to the king to make an imperfect Game of Thrones reference, which probably would have been more appropriate last week during the finale, or even better, three years ago when people still seemed to like the show. But I digress. This week, we will once again be joined by veteran futures traders John Hoagland and Danny Hodgman, who will be discussing alternative ways to look at the market specifically the market profile charting technique developed in the 1980s by J. Peter, I hope I'm getting this last name right, Steitelmeyer, at the Chicago Board of Trade. They'll also reminisce about the importance of geography in the trading pits and why markets today aren't all that different from when early traders were bartering with pelts and caves. Just a reminder, we are hopefully going to start a listener mailbag segment next week, and we would love to get some questions from you. Yes, I suppose you could physically mail us your handwritten questions, but that would seem really inconvenient. So instead, we've set up a listener hotline where you can leave us voicemails that we can later play on the air. The number for that hotline is going to be 855-902-0331. That's 855-902-0331. We'll be sure to post that on the Top Step blog and in the Facebook group which you should join if you haven't already because it's a really great community and definitely not some kind of organized disinformation campaign we're running. And now with our housekeeping in order, let's get down to some trading, shall we? Theresa May resigned last Friday, which begs the obvious question, will we continue to be talking about Brexit until the heat death of the universe? Or will something else come along to dominate the headlines in the coming months? Let's find out what's on Mark Meadows' mind in this week's Market Reaction. Thanks, Jack. What's the canary in the coal mine? This is the question I'm debating right now. For someone macro-inclined, things just don't make sense. Bond prices shot higher in the past week, gaining past highs from both January and April. If you haven't been paying attention to the Treasury market, you're missing a heck of a move. 30-year bond futures are firmly in an uptrend with a series of higher highs and higher lows. If you haven't seen a chart, pull one up. Now compare that with most other charts of futures products out there, and they're not moving in pronounced uptrends or downtrends. Something is up. But I don't know if higher bond prices are the canary in the coal mine, or if we'll see equities and bonds move higher in tandem. I'm playing this one a little safe because I tend to be a bit of a counter-trend trader. That means that I jump in to moves before they happen, typically exhausting all of my trading energy and then miss out when that larger move does happen. But that's part of knowing yourself. 
I may miss out on some of this move lower in equities if they do move lower, but when they do, I'm going to catch a good part of the trend. And that's how you stay in the game. Thanks, Mark. It's Jack again. Reading the charts is both an art and a science, and there's definitely a whole lot more to them than just lines, bars, and candlesticks. In this week's Limit Up interview, Danny and Hogue take you on a deep dive into the market profile and other alternative ways to look at your trade. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Hodgman, and uh, thanks for the introduction, Jack. Um, you guys heard John and I sit down and talk a little bit last week on summer trading and just some of our little thoughts and tips around that. Well, today, you guys have heard John talk about how he looks at the market a lot, and so today we're going to take a little bit of dive into um, different ways to view the market. And so we all know John Hoagland, and uh, and John, what is your favorite way to look at the market? Um, in profit. That's that's good. That's a good one, right? Right, right, right. No, I I view the market as a as an as an auction process. You know, the anything that can or will be bought or sold is basically an auction process. It's supply and demand. Bigger demand, price goes up. Higher supply, price goes down. And it happens in, you know, basically infinite time frames. You can look at an auction in an in a, in a, in a monthly level, weekly, daily, hourly, 30 minutes, five minutes, one minute. Each of them has their own kind of unique look as far as the auction process is concerned. An auction in, in a five-minute time frame may not be as strong as an auction on a daily time frame. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. You kind of mentioned different time frames. It, it has to do with, like, understanding who we are as a trader. What are we looking for that market to give us, you know? If, if you're a scalper, um, which there are a lot of traders out there consider themselves scalpers, you're looking at that market in a completely different view than someone who's, say, swing trading or someone who's sitting in their trades for an hour or two hours or three hours. And so you just have to kind of understand who you are before you're going to take your view of the market. Sure. I mean, if you're a scalper, if you're just looking for a lot of little trades throughout the day, you're probably not going to have that many opportunities if you're looking at a 30-minute chart. You're going to need to look at a shorter time frame chart to recognize your opportunities in those shorter time frame auctions. Absolutely. John, you talk 30-minute here. This is a good little segue into your favorite thing when it comes to looking at the market. We all know you love market profile. Mm -hmm. You introduced me to it uh, a few years back. I've really kind of begun to understand it. Uh, It's like a tip of the iceberg thing. I only understand just the tip. So I think we we take some time to pick your brain on market profile. Sure. The market profile is uh, well. It was created by Pete Stottlemyre and uh, and and Jim Dalton. Really, I think back in the Board of Trade, they were looking for a different way to organize the, the information that the market actually provides for us. So they just kind of looked at things in in, in what? Well, how do I say this? It's it's a very visual tool. It organizes the information that's provided by the marketplace, typically, you know, mostly on uh, off of a thirty-minute time frame. But it measures time over price. There's a constant. That's time. 
there's the value the the variable which is price so when you when you see how often a price is visited that gives you the idea that it's either a fair price or unfair high or unfair low it organizes basically the information provided by the marketplace into a into a bell curve Okay, so let's dive in here a little bit more because that's what a chart does. A chart is going to organize the market and everything that's happening inside of it. Mm-hmm. Looking at a chart, how does that differ from looking at market profile? Well, if I were to take, let's say, a a, a specific time period on a 30-minute chart mm-hmm. and I were able to push all of the information instead of you know straight bars for each 30 minutes, I was able to push them all over to the left Okay. So if there's more time spent in the center of the range, that's going to be the kind of the wider part of the bell curve that's created by that. If I'm going to look at the extremes of that, there's going to be less time spent there. It's going to be the thinner parts of the bell curve. In in other words, those are the, the places that the, the market has previously rejected. It hasn't spent a lot of time there. The wider, some people would say uh, the fatter part of the profile is where the market is spending more time. So it's really showing us a good interpretation of time based off of those prices. So I'm looking, let's use crude oil for an example. Um, the market just traded 59.63, throwing a random number out. Okay. Right out of, picked it right out of a hat here. Uh, trades 59.63. If we're looking at just a standard chart, we can just show, okay, the market traded there, but we don't really have too much of an idea unless we were to, you know, add some sort of volume indicator on there. Sure. Uh, volume profile, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at the market profile, it's showing us the time that it's spent. At that price, correct. So if we're looking at you know crude oil trading, trading a day time frame between fifty nine dollars and sixty dollars. Okay. Statistically, it's probably going to trade fifty nine fifty more than it's going to trade fifty nine or sixty. Okay. So that's going to be kind of considered in a, in a balanced market. That that fattest part of the profile is where. The, the fairest prices. It's where two-sided trade has been facilitated the most. What the profile tells us is the extremes where the market has not spent a lot of time or accumulated a lot of volume. Those are the more interesting spots for me. If I'm trading at the fairest price, whether I buy it or sell it, I have the same probability of profit or loss. Okay. But if I'm trading at the extremes... As long as the market state remains in that range, I, I, you know, I have a better opportunity of selling it near the upper extreme and, and realizing a profit at some point than I do selling it right in the middle of it because it could go either direction before it invalidates the trade. Okay, so now I got a question for you because this is you know, interesting to me. And when I, I hear you explain this, I really picture it helping us frame out our daily, especially when the market is um, in a, di- a certain state. When we, it, it sounds like it re- it's really helpful and beneficial for understanding a range. Yes, trading that range. Sure. So it get, it's going to kind of outline the market instead of us sitting down and having to frame out all of our levels. This kind of gives us those visual points that we're always looking for. Yeah, when you when you're looking at profile or day over day profiles, 
what you're really trying to to decipher is you know what direction if any direction is the market attempting to go and how good of a job is it doing getting there when we look at the profile when we look at all these markets we're looking at an auction process if i was selling brooms interesting choice of market right well, anything that you buy or sell is part of an auction process. Mm-hmm. So if I'm selling brooms and I price them too expensive and nobody's coming to buy my brooms, they're buy- maybe they're buying them somewhere else, maybe they're making their own, who knows. But if I price it too high, I'm not going to facilitate any trade. I'm going to have to auction, advertise the price of those pri- of those brooms lower until I start to attract buyers. Once I start to attract buyers, there's information there. Now you're starting to learn fair value. Yes. Yes. So if I keep the price there and the auction people continue to buy it at that price, uh, I'm I'm good for now. But if something, let's say something happens and there's a run on brooms and people come in and they use up all my inventory at that price, mm-hmm. well, then the price is going to have to move higher because the supply has been diminished or or exhausted. So the minute I see that, hey, these 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 brooms are going a lot faster at this price, I can then raise price and still attract a number of buyers. So the auction begins to the downside. I find buyers. Buyers come in. If they get too aggressive, I can raise price again, and the auction now is to the upside. Great. Um, <clears throat> so now I have some other questions for you just around market profile because I do know there's a lot of people look at things differently. In particular, I know how you look at the market, so it helps me kind of frame some questions around talking about this. Because mm-hmm. um, when you look at market profile, it's all time-based and volume-based. How do you handle the overnight session? Because we know volume is technically lower in the overnight session. How do you utilize it or do you ignore it? How does that work for you? Well, uh, at the end of a given trading day, I have the, the, the finished profile from that day. What happens in the overnight is generally going to be shorter time frame, weaker money traders. Our bigger U.S. participants aren't going to be playing overnight. They're mm-hmm. they're at home sleeping or playing with their kids or, or, or whatever they're doing. So we, we end up... Um, kind of looking at the market like, okay, we know the market settled at $59, but overnight traders pushed price 50 cents lower consistently throughout the evening. So we can then assume that those overnight traders are probably holding short positions, and they've probably accumulated a pretty decent size of them. When the market opens, okay, we we're opening away from settlement, one of the first things I'm going to look at is, okay, are they going to continue to get paid? Have they pushed the market to where other traders need to sell at that level, or have they attracted buyers? If they've attracted buyers, they're not going to continue to get paid, and they're going to at some point, and they tend to do this in groups, <laughs> in a in a single group, they'll, they'll say, okay, well, you know what? We're not going to get paid on this anymore. Let's get out. They bring a whole bunch of buying into the market. They bring a whole bunch of short time frame demand, and they may push that market right, right back up to settlement mm-hmm. where the overnight started. Right. So, you know, the, the way I look at the overnight is, is there a, 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 a 
probable position sizing that was created by the overnight in um position overnight information activity whatever you want to call it what is the low of the overnight what's the high of the overnight other than that i don't really look at the overnight that much there's really not a lot of volume and you know without all the participants available to affect the market i don't i don't trust it that's one of the first things I do every single morning when I sit down. I first go, all right, what were yesterday's highs, yesterday's lows, overnight high, overnight low, where's my settlement price, just to frame out the market, because mm-hmm. that's what I love to do. For me, when I'm looking at a market, I need to frame it. I need to sit down and give myself a tangible level, a number that I can sit and say, okay, if the market is here, it's probably not a, that's probably an extremely fair value. Mm-hmm. I don't want to buy or sell around those prices sometimes so I'm looking for those extremes that's right. what those overnight high overnight lows really do for me mm-hmm. so the next thing I, I think we should touch on is because it's so similarly related to market profile is volume profile mm-hmm. how do they really different but also aren't they kind of very similar ways of looking at the market they are similar but different and when you look at the market profile you're looking at price over time the volume profile, you're looking at price over volume. And typically, if you have a, a market profile right next to a volume profile, there's not going to be that many differences. The, 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 the fairest price might be a little bit different. The, mm-hmm. the price where the market spent the most time may be slightly different than where the, where the market attracted the most volume in a single price. But largely, you're going to get some of the same information. You're going to see areas areas where price has been accepted, as well as areas where price has been rejected. Beautiful. The areas that price have been rejected are going to be the thin parts of the profile. They're also going to be the low-volume areas in the volume profile, where price has been accepted and two-sided trade is occurring. Those are going to be... The, the wider parts of the volume profile and more likely than not going to be the wider parts of the market profile where the difference comes and you know some some may agree or disagree is there are nuances that appear in the market profile that are missed in the volume profile. Okay. You know, it's interesting. You say some people may agree or disagree. I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the coolest parts of trading Mm -hmm. is we may have our system that works spectacular for us as a trader and how we, you know, focus on this topic of uh, how we view the market. We may view it one way and someone can sit there and go, well, that's not the right way. I completely disagree. And that's the best part about trading is we all can make money as long as we learn a way and can create consistency mm-hmm. about how we view the market. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing. We say it all the time. To be successful in this, you first have to be consistent. Absolutely. Before you can be consistent, you've got to learn to sustain. Right. You know, you got to learn all these little things. It helps you build as a trader. And I just, I think it's, I think you saying that kind of sparks something in me in the sense of, yes, people disagree with me all the time. I disagree with other traders all the time. Right. It doesn't mean either of us are right or wrong. Absolutely. And that's what's so awesome about this industry. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, for those who are looking for defined, levels or signals to take trades the profiles are 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 not for you it is a context tool it is a visual tool created by 
information provided by the marketplace with which to tell you where you know the the context of the market is it continuing to go higher over time how good of a job is it doing going higher over time where where are the balance areas where are the areas where a bigger market state may 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 occur a bigger market state change mm-hmm. may occur so if you're looking for buy here sell there you're not going to get that from the profile you're you, you have to make those decisions on you know on the information that you're getting from the profile but it's not going to basically say buy it here or sell it here it is it's the context that it, you're looking for it's a whole nother way of laying out the market in a different viewpoint Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people like to use the dome to look at the market kind of frame things out people use charts market profile and i think the cool thing about it is it works for doesn't matter if you're a long or short trader if you're a trend or a range trader Mm -hmm. if you're a, a scalper or a longer time frame maybe scalping is a little bit tougher just because it focuses on a 30 minute time frame um but i think it really works for anyone as a trader it's just making making sure before you utilize it, you understand what kind of trader you are. I'm very open in saying I like trends. I sh- it ranges I'm getting better with. I like the long side versus the short side. Mm-hmm. Unless it's crude oil, I like shorting crude because I like cheaper gas for my truck. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Understandable. <laughs> but I think like as long as you can kind of just understand what kind of trader you are, that's what you have to figure out first before you can understand how you're going to look at the market. That That's for me is always something I've found. Well, and the, you know the market profile has been around a long time. My dad first showed it to me. I think I was in eighth grade. He was actually uh, a, a um, you know a friend of Pete Stottlemyre who really kind of came up with the idea. And he, my dad says, "Hey, come check this out. There's a guy on the floor that's putting together this different way to look at markets." And you know, I'm in eighth grade. I'm more interested in my skateboard than anything else. He he tried to show me, but you know, in eighth grade, who cares about that kind right. of stuff? And it wasn't until you know, I was in the pit for a little while and struggling that a friend of mine gave me, you know, Jim Dalton's book, Mind Over Markets. And uh, reading the first hundred pages of that, it really just opened my eyes to what markets really are. And they are auction processes. And, you know, people say, well, the profile doesn't work. When I say, well, show me something that works. Right. It's something that I, that's, that I can just do and don't have to think about. The profile is it's a it is a process to learn. It's a constant process. There's always more to know, more to learn, um, which which is the one thing I do love about it is it's it's the, you know markets change. You learn more about the how about how the profiles work, um, and the thing I do like to hear most is well uh, you know the profiles it's outdated. Well, since since the days of bartering for pelts. Right. Everything's been an auction process. There's absolutely nothing outdated about the profiles. Right. I don't. I, even though times have evolved, we've gone from floor to screen, and mm. it's all the same thing. Buy here, sell here. You know, you want to get the best value. Uh, you want to get the most bang for your buck, so to speak. That's what trading is in general. Mm-hmm. And, and traders are just some of the better people at getting the most bang for their buck. It's maybe they're just crazy. Right. Or a little bit crazy. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned you learned this on the pit. One of like the first ways of reading the market I used to recognize when I first started on the floor is like I just knew certain people of the big wigs or the uh, the big institutional guys that can really move a market. I mm-hmm. knew who to watch for, and like you could see 
not watching the trades that they're calling or anything by that or anything like that, but you knew if someone was standing up and sending in an order, you're like, oh, I need to get in the right spot to make sure I can be seen. Here. Yes. You don't have to know what's coming, but that was just another way some people were able to see that market a little bit differently. Yeah, pit geography was very important at that right? time. Right? I mean, it's funny. For us in the board of trade in the options pits, there's no such thing as the top step. It was just the senior guy. If you were a big dog, you stood up. You stood up top, and you don't get in their line of sight. That was one of the first lessons I learned. Don't stand in front of certain people. They need a the few steps in front of them completely open. So there were just certain areas that a new guy would come in, and you'd watch him go stand in the wrong spot. And I was like, well, don't stand there. He needs to be able to see. And it, uh, it always cracked me up how that worked out. Yeah, they, at least they were nice over there. We just got smacked if we were in the wrong, in somebody else's spot in the pit. I uh, I witnessed one time, uh, I won't call it in any names, but I uh, some guy stood in front of my dad, and uh, he was probably the biggest local in the 30-year option pit, and some guy stood in front of him, and my dad looks at me and goes, you, you can't stand here, you got to go away. And some guy looks at him and goes, well, back off, old man. And uh, a little tussle ensued. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, you just don't stand in front of the wrong people. No. I, I, it's funny. No how matter how things, old they are. Right, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, funny how, it's funny how things have changed. Nowadays, everything's on the screen, and you can kind of be your own person. And that's what's fun about it is it's especially market profile and the charting and reading the dome. Yeah. That's what you have, and you find ways to create an edge around that, and which I think is an interesting conversation in and of itself. What is edge? Edge is just kind of everyone has their own opinion on it. I think it's just create finding a way to be consistent in your decision making process. Yeah. In the in the pit, an edge might just be being able to buy it on the bid and sell it on the offer. Right. That was your edge. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people they look at edge all different ways. I think you know, for me, one of my biggest edges is I have. I think really good discipline and I'm very disciplined in many facets of my trading. And I Mm -hmm. think to me, that's a huge edge that people look for discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, to look at the market, you first need to understand who you are as a trader, what you want out of trading. What is your risk going into every day of trading? If if you can't risk more than $100 or $200 a day, you need to think about how you're looking at the market. If you've got bigger risks than that, if you have $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, you might be able to look at the market in a different view than the person next to you. Mm. And that's what I think is so cool about this industry. Well, you're talking about edge. The only edge that I can see anymore is just to to be able to locate the asymmetric opportunity half the time. It's all it's the most important thing. You can never risk in my opinion, you can never risk more than you're willing to make and that reward always needs to be greater otherwise we're setting ourselves up for failure. It's a numbers game. Keep the numbers on your side. Yeah, you you got to look for those little risks for the bigger rewards. It's the only way you can create sustainability and growth as a trader, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, this is uh, this is good. It's hard to kind of talk about the profile without seeing them. This was a this is a good exercise in trying to explain visually what they are and how they look. Well, 
I'm sure we can continue the conversation around profile. We can because I think it's something I'm always asking you about, and I always want to know more about it. And so we'll continue that conversation, continue to talk about it, whether it's here or on uh, any of the other platforms that we use to uh, talk with traders. Yeah, I'd like that. I would too. <laughs> People uh, might think my my kids and my wife are tired of hearing me talk about it, so I got to tell somebody. Right. That it's funny growing up. I wanted to be a part of the men at the parties because my dad and all his brothers were floor guys and like all their friends were on the floor and they talked a whole nother language. So it was like, hang out with them mm-hmm. or I can go hang out with like the women. And I was, well, that wasn't as fun to me. I wanted to be with the guys. And so I used to sit there and I'd listen to the conversations my dad would have with his brothers or his friends and all sorts of language, puts, calls, intrinsic, extrinsic values, uh, Delta, Gamma, Vega, I knew none of this Butterflies, stuff. Butterflies, condors, but, oh, all, then all the really strategies. Crazy. Strangles and straddles, what's the difference? And so I used to sit and I would listen to these conversations and I periodically, coming home from a hockey practice, I'd drop one on my dad. I'd be like, Dad, what's a, what's a call? Goes, what do you mean? You pick up the phone, you call someone. I go, <laughs> no, I heard you say it to you know, Uncle Tim. You said call. And he's like, oh, and then he'd start to explain it to me, and I would kind of try and study what a call was, mm-hmm. and then I would study what a put was as a kid, and then I'd study what a butterfly was, a strangle. What's the straddle? I would study all these things, what handle meant. I would start to learn all this stuff just so I can, like, chime in on a conversation. I knew nothing about what the market was doing, but I would, like, randomly drop in and a little knowledge on uh, knowledge on the guys, and they'd be like, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, we well, were talking about a straddle, right? And like, no, we're talking about a strangle. I'm like, Oh, close enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I drop a definition hey. on them. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the the last time you were probably you know fighting fighting with your little brother, you had him around the neck, and Dad said, "What the hell are you doing?" He says, "I got him in a strangle." Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My brother's uh, got about three inches and forty pounds on me. <laughs> I bet it wasn't always that way, though, was it? No, no, no. I was. Uh, I've got a few years on him, but man, he uh, he picked up the Hodgman gene. And there really you grew. go. There you go. <laughs> well, maybe it was. He's got me in a strangle. Right? In a strangle. He's got me in a strangle. Get me out of this thing. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think that's pretty fun. Always, it's always interesting just to hear about how people look at stuff because we're all looking at this thing different. And we're mm-hmm. all looking for different things out of it, and uh, it's always a fun conversation. We all have different decision-making processes, motivations, dreams, right. opinions. It's what drives these markets. It's always been fascinating. And to I me. think, like, we'll bring it back to the beginning. It's all an auction process. You want to get the best value. You want to make the most out of what you got. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's enough psychology for me. Why don't we kick it over to Jack, and uh, we'll see you guys later. (laughs) Here you go, Jack. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Dan, and uh, trade well, everyone. Traders, thank you for making it all the way to the final chapter of the Limit Up podcast. As is customary, and by that I mean we did it for the first time last week, I'd like to conclude the show with a little bit of trader therapy. So take a few deep breaths and let everything on your mind just melt away. Even Brexit. Good. As traders, we need to learn to control our emotions, especially when it comes to anger. Having a trade go against you can be infuriating, but pounding on your desk or screaming 
or calling the Ultrabond future a no-good piece of mother is not going to make things any easier. I once worked with a trader who I saw break a computer monitor with a novelty wooden back scratcher. Did this help his situation? No. No, it did not. You see, now he was trading something that he couldn't even see. So please, find a way to regulate your emotions that works for you. For some people, this might be meditation. For others, it might be a long walk. See, you're not yourself when you're angry. And just because I repurposed this advice from a Snickers commercial doesn't make it any less true. And that, my friends, is this week's Trader Therapy. Thanks again for listening to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. Danny, Hogue, Mark, and myself will all be back next week with a brand new episode. We certainly hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, keep on keeping on and trade well. This episode was produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.